0: Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marcia Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today, I am so grateful to be able to interview Suzanne Doyle Ingram from Prominence Publishing. Now, Suzanne holds a very special place for me because, as some of you know, she was the publisher of my book, When She Stopped Asking Why. Why? And Suzanne just has an absolute heart of gold. I I can't tell you, because you know, a few years ago when I was ready, I thought I was ready to publish my book, I reached out and connected with a number of different publishers. And everyone I connected to, it was wrong. It was off, it just didn't sit right. Their purpose for the book was very different from mine, and I kept staying the course and followed my intuition, and I thought, nope, this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it, until I was referred to Suzanne, and as soon as we had our first conversation, it was a hands down, yes, this is the person. And she really connected, I mean, if you ever get to work with a publisher and you're sharing your own memoir, you really get to know each other. And so we connected on a number of different levels and she helped me to dive into my story in ways that I didn't know how to and I wasn't ready to. But the whole time she was also staying true to the whole purpose that my intention all along was that if a person never walked in my shoes, they could take something from my story. And that was really what my goal was all along. And she helped me do that. She really helped me bring it to life. There were so many wall-kicking moments and moments where I just wanted to throw it in during that process because it is a massive learning curve and a journey to release that kind of story out to the world, and it results in a huge vulnerability hangover for anybody who hasn't heard me say that before. It really is. So having somebody in your corner who is there to support you, to nudge you, to help you, to get you bring that project to life, it is just a lifesaver. So I'm super, I'm just so thankful that Suzanne was that person for me. And since then, we are now working on ideas for a second book, as well as she is The publisher, her company is a publishing company that is helping me with bring to life the stories and the collaborative book, the collaborative book of stories of authors, women sharing their story of what is possible to overcome adversity and how they did that. So she is continuing to play a big role in my life and I couldn't be more grateful. So today we have her on the podcast and she shares parts of her story And how she got to where she is now. So Suzanne Doyle Ingram is a best-selling author who has written and co-written a total of 15 books. She coaches and trains business professionals on how to write and publish a book and how to use that book as leverage to increase their visibility, open doors for speaking engagements, grow their brand and business, and so much more. Suzanne has also helped hundreds of business professionals get published through collaborative anthology books by bringing together the collaborative efforts of experts in various fields that contribute to one multi-author book on a specific topic. Suzanne has had tremendous success with this model. She lives in a little seaside town near Vancouver, Canada, with her three kids, 12, 15, and 17. And one day, I will get there. I know I will. So I know you'll love this episode, and this is a very dear person who is just close to my heart. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Fares are off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today, I have a super special guest on with me, and her name is Suzanne Doyle Ingram. Suzanne is the publisher of my first book, my eventually second book and the collaborative book that I am putting together with the authors. This is a really special call for me because when Suzanne and I met, I don't remember if she knows this or not, but I actually interviewed and spoke with four other publishers and the vibes were terrible. They were people that did not want to hear how I wanted to share the story, and Suzanne pretty much embraced it from the very beginning and was like, yep, we can do that, and she definitely pushed me a little bit, and I was able to dig into my story a little bit more, but I have absolutely nothing but praise to say for Suzanne, so I'm so thrilled to have you here on the call today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm thrilled. We are going to
0: start with a few questions so people can
1: get to know you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about you and what you do.
0: So where are you from?
1: Well, I'm from originally from a little tiny seaside town called White Rock, British Columbia, Canada, which is basically the most western southern part you can get, like right up above Washington State. Okay. And yeah. And now I live in another little seaside town just outside of Vancouver, BC, Canada. And it's so beautiful where I live. It's There's no crime. It's like... A forty-minute ferry ride away from Vancouver, and then we have like little deer walking around, and it's lovely.
0: Now, do you take a ferry every day to work? Is that what you do? Just so I. Or it,
1: no, sorry. because I work in my home. Wow, <laughs> oh, nice. A lot of people do. A lot of people live here and then commute to Vancouver on the ferry because it's literally forty minutes, and it's like you're on vacation here on the Sunshine Coast. It's I.
0: I mean, I was there last. Um, was there there last April? And we were in Sydney and we took the, um, the tugboat up through and came back down. And it was just uh, like stunning, stunningly, stunningly beautiful. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is part of Canada. like, why am I where I am? This is beautiful. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful area. Yeah. So I'm sure that that is very, um, something you are very grateful for to see that, that view, those views every
1: day. Oh, yes. And also the quiet. It's so quiet here. I, whenever Sometimes in the morning I have my coffee and I go sit in my backyard and I just do my little gratitude list in my head. And one of the things I always think about is just I can't hear anything <laughs> except for birds. Oh, that's, see, that would be just
0: stunning. That would be stunning. Mm-hmm. So, which is an ironic question I'm going to ask you next. Are you a reader yourself?
1: Well, I do love reading, but I read about 150 nonfiction books a year um so i i I read really really fast Mm -hmm. 440 words a minute i have to for my job and even getting better but um one of the greatest most like delicious things i could possibly do is like lie in a lawn chair or curl up on a sofa with a fiction book and just escape I love that, but I literally hardly ever get the chance to do it. So I I'm need to make some changes in my life to be able to do that more. I'm sure you do. I, I was,
0: I, I was wondering when I was going to, I knew I was going to ask this question. I thought, I bet it's not easy for you because it's what you're doing so yeah. much of your time. Is there any book that you can think back to that was, even if it was past book, that was impactful for you? Something that you were like, you know what, that actually was very impactful for me.
1: Oh yes. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, the Go-Giver. I can't remember oh, who it's I love by. Uh, Bob Berg. Yeah. Bob yeah. Berg. Oh yeah. my gosh. The Go-Giver comes out right away. I used to buy like 10 of them and give them to the clients. I love it. It's
0: such a great book. book. It is such a great book. I've been, I, I tend to go back to that one like once a year or something because it's such
1: a quick read. Yeah. Um, pretty sure it's Bob yeah. Berg, but I do love that one. Yeah. And then business books. I love Russell Brunson. He's the owner of ClickFunnels. And so he has a great book. Um, He's got two dot com secrets was first and then expert secrets was second. And I really respect him. Yes, Expert mm-hmm. Secrets. I could not remember where I'd seen the name Russell Brunson, but it was Expert Secrets. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. And he go, he, um, he's just such a good ethical man. And I, I go to his conferences. And I, I met him all, many, 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 many years ago when he looked like he was 14 years old. Now he looks like he's 20. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a really young face. But he's, he's done his, very well for like, himself because he's built something that businesses need but also because he's such a good guy in his whole circle uh, of uh, his team leaders at ClickFunnels, or many of them are like quite religious and they're married and they love their wives and they're like good people. It's yeah. So that's the culture he's created. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite quote? Yes. I say to my children, every time they leave the house, pretty much, I say, live your life as if everything you do will eventually be known. And it's by Hugh Prather.
0: Can I, okay, can I, sorry, can I just, you have teenagers.
1: So there's so, that's such a great quote. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> it applies, like, you know what? If you ever try shoplifting, I will know about it. And yeah. you will not have a nice rest of your year <laughs> or something like that. But I, 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 I it's, it's a lot of different levels to it. Like for oh, me, yeah. Uh, it reminds me to always do the right thing. I say that to my kids too, like do the right thing. It'll just, it saves so much time and so much energy. Just do the right thing. I love that. Absolutely love that.
0: Do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? It can be somebody you know, or somebody you don't know, but it's just, do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? Wow. Oh, geez, You should have
1: warned me about these. I, um, know. I don't like to warn you. <laughs> I have so many like I usually have a a business coach at all times so my mentor could change year to year but you know what oh my gosh I just almost started crying I would say my mom my mom is so she she was a single mom and I'm a single mom and she at one point she had three jobs and she was raising us she worked so hard she taught me that um, to be self-sufficient and that you can put you can do anything you put your mind to and never give up and always try just try and she's she's so positive and and I mean everybody loves my mom and she's she's such a kind person so oh, oh gosh That's, awesome. I'm worked up here. that's beautiful
0: <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful because I mean I I've, I've heard you talk about your mom many many times I love hearing <laughs> that I love hearing that what is last question what is something that lights you up
1: I'm literally like dabbing like, my tears. You made me cry. <laughs> Something that lights me up. Woo! <laughs> Talk about that swing. I just took you through. <laughs> Great, lights me away. up. R P G or R rated? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hmm. Well, okay. I get very, very excited when I launch a book for a client, mm-hmm. and because I feel like it's my first time, um, and I, I just, oh my gosh, I, I feel like. Because what happens is a lot of people, oh, I don't know if your listeners know this yet, but I help people write books. We'll get into that. But what happens in, in, I have people come to me that um, they're so emotionally attached and involved in their book that they just really want to get the book done. But what I know is that all the really fun and juicy stuff happens after the book. So that's why I get so excited when the book is done because to them, they think they're done. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Now the fun stuff happens. And so I just get, that really lights me up Mm -hmm. because I've done it myself so many times. And, um, I love, I love to make people happy.
0: Well, and I think you help them to step into their truth and their story and, Mm -hmm. unapologetic about it and like really like just own it. And I think that really is why it resonates as, as a story, right? You're not just about pumping out books and doing, not having people connected. There's purpose behind. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 For sure.
0: That was something that I could said from the, in the intro there that I found when I first connected with you was the fact that um, I just, the few others that I had connected to were all about like sensationalizing the story
1: and I'm like, oh,
0: wow. no, you're not hearing at all what I want to do with this book. And it was, yeah. it was just this. It felt yucky. Like it felt like I just this does not feel right at all. And you were the first person who, like, instantly was like, no, I know, like, I knew you got it. I knew you got what I wanted to do with it. And um, so I, that's that's an integrity piece that I think that a lot of people, um, not a lot of people, some people don't have. And I think that that's very. Um, prominent for you. So I think that that's something that you definitely have. So let's talk a little bit. You are a publisher. Tell us a little bit about what you do, what your business looks like now, um, how it works, and we'll
1: go from there. Sure. Wow. How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, I should probably start with how it all started. Do you want me to talk about that? You absolutely can. Yeah, you can. Okay. Okay, because what happened was I wasn't born a book publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even really want to be a book publisher. What happened was I had a marketing company. And then during the economic downturn in 2007, Nine. actually really hit me in 2009. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, most of my clients were American as they still are. And, uh, they all just stopped spending money on marketing. And my business went from $500,000 a year to $30,000 in about a month. It just like the brakes hit the brakes. And I was freaking out because of course I had staff and I had expenses and I was like, did not know what I was going to do. So I thought, okay, I just need some time to think for a minute here. What am I going to do? And it was right when Amazon started allowing people to self-publish. So I thought, you know what? I have a degree in linguistics. I can write a book. I'm going to try writing writing books, and I thought that could be a good way of, of generating some income. So I was I wrote I decided what I did, which is not what I recommend doing now, but this is what I did back then, t- ten years ago, um, or more than that now. I researched what was selling and what was trendy, and so what was trendy was gluten free recipes. That was really really yes, big, and so was. I thought. I want to put my family on a gluten-free diet and just see how this works because my son was super hyper and I thought maybe, I didn't realize it was just because he was a boy. <laughs> so two girls and then I had a boy and I'm like, what is this? Oh God. <laughs> they are They're different. Th- they are very different. <laughs> very different. They're very different. Girls <laughs> would be sitting there reading in the corner and trying to be like running into the wall and then, you know, like, oh my gosh, something wrong with this child. But <laughs> anyway, so, so I wrote a gluten-free recipe book, but I was so worried that it would totally fail that I wrote it under a fake name because I didn't oh, want anybody didn't to know publish. that. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know it was under fake name. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Total fake name. Uh, Cause I was a chicken and <laughs> I, I totally understand how it feels to publish a book. I yeah. mean, it's just like it's hanging scary. out, hanging your underwear on the line in the front yard. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like everybody oh. can see it. And so, but the thing is, because I had a marketing agency and I knew about internet marketing, I made it a bestseller. Mm-hmm. and. And then, of course, I was like, hey, oh, my gosh, I'm a best-selling author. I know it's not really my name, but that's really me. And then it was kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. It's me. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Really? And so then I, that year, I wrote um, six more books. I wrote seven books that year. And they were yeah. all like... That like, year, seven books? Yes, but I wrote them. I was exhausted. I wrote them really? at night after my kids went to bed. Yeah, really? Yes. <laughs> I've been exhausted for 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That's cool. Um, well i needed to make money Yep, it was awful i was so desperate and it was i was just very 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 stressful and i was scary time can
0: i just say like i'm just for people who are listening if you were young enough that you don't remember this time like i know we sound like you're talking about like oh my god back in history i we owned we owned a personal training studio at this time that was one of the first things to go because that's a luxury right that's an extra we watched our sales like seriously go from like you know, close to forty thousand, fifty thousand a month down to like we were less than ten. It just dropped I I no I don't like, know. Like what are we gonna do? We still have overhead, we still have like it it was a very scary
1: time and everybody was scared. So nobody was yes. Nobody was. Nobody was buying. I know. I know. I know. It was. It affected everything: hotels yeah. and flights and yeah. marketing and fitness and you know Starbucks. Like everything yeah. was affected everything. Yeah. yeah so I just to give that context for people to understand, like that was a very big transition
0: time for everyone. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's right.
1: So so what I did was people started asking me, like I remember being at a coffee shop when my daughter had a, an acting class and I sat there every Tuesday from four till six with my laptop and I would write one of my books. And somebody said, hey, you know, I see you here all the time. What are you, what are you working on? I said, I'm writing a book. And they're like, what? Ah, freaking out. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've written five already this year. And you noticed know, it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm like, whatever. And so then she said, Oh, well, how do you do that? So I had of had an idea. I said, well, if I was to put on a workshop, would you want to come? And she said, Well, yes. So I rented the church basement for $25. And I sold um, tickets for hundred, 100 bucks for a one-day workshop, and I got 20 people. So I made $2,000 in one day, and my expenses were $25. And I was like, I think I'm onto something I'm on here. Something. Well, yeah, wow. And so I put it online, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. That was how I started my expert author program. And I started really helping people see my philosophy, and maybe you picked up on this during our first call, was that I believe that there are no ordinary people, that we are all extraordinary. And if you just give someone a chance... Like if everybody just stopped talking so much and started listening a bit more, <laughs> mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. anybody, the person sitting beside you on the bus, or in my case, on the ferry or in the coffee lineup, you know, even today, um, I was I saw my friend, I ran into Starbucks this morning, and I had a meeting before our do a thing we're doing right now. And I ran into Starbucks and I saw my friend and she's like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm so great. How are you? And she said, Oh, I'm running over here to pick up. She goes, don't you order it online and just pick it up? And I said, no, I like to stand in line because I don't know. I never know who I'm going to meet. And and she's like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. You know, I just think people are so fascinating and interesting. And so that's what I want to help people do is to get their stories out into the world Mm -hmm. because they matter and they impact other people. (laughs)
0: So anybody who's listening to this, they're going to go, that's what Marsha sounds like. (laughs) I say those exact words, right? Because I believe it wholeheartedly our stories matter and our stories make a difference in other people's lives. And you help bring those stories to life. So it's a huge, you know, it's a huge thing to help people through that process. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure it's not easy. You've probably had to learn a lot of, like, I can, I mean... I get a lot of times. I get a lot of times. People will say, "Well, you look strong, and you're because you're strong. It's easy." Or this. And I'm like, "No, I get scared like everyone else." The fear process that I went through when I published my book was
1: real. Like it yeah. was. Real. Oh, I like, know. Of course, I remember. I remember, right? It was yeah. very real, and people didn't it's, see that at the time. Every author. Oh my gosh. Right. Every author I work with goes through it, and you know when I I did a stand up comedy routine. I uh, saw that recently. <gasps> yes. Yes. For the first time ever. I did it. And I thought to myself for three days before, I thought I was going to have diarrhea. I was like on so, oh, the stage. So <laughs> sick. I was so nervous. <laughs> Oops. Crap my pants. That's part of the routine. So funny. I got onto to one of my group coaching calls. I'm like, Hey guys, I just had an epiphany. I can't believe that I signed up to do this thing. I am literally freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to do it. I now I can't get out of it. It's too late. I don't think I'm funny. I think I'm stupid. My hair is wrong. My face is wrong. Like everything's wrong. And ever, and and I said I know what you guys go through when your book launches. And it was so I was like the universe or God was like giving me this message. Just I mean, I've been through it before, but I've done fifteen or sixteen books now of my own. So I don't feel it anymore. I don't like I'm like, I don't care what people think. Whatever, send out another book, you know. But what I know really it was a great lesson for me to remember what it feels like for my clients.
0: I think that that's really powerful that you're doing that because I, like I think some of the most powerful teachers are ones who are still putting themselves out there to learn lessons. Like you have yeah. to keep learning. You can't look at You have to remember what it's like to be in yes. those early shoes. And I yeah. mean, I do all kinds of stuff, vulnerability. Like I speak it from the stage and I do, There is nothing I've ever gone through that was as big a vulnerability hangover as my book being published. Oh, really? I Remember the few days afterwards? I like I couldn't. There was a lot of love and a lot of great messages, but I remember going like I can't even get myself to show myself because there were parts of myself and my story that I shared that no one had ever heard before.
1: Yeah. I've known it yeah.
0: before. And yeah. so, cause I decided to dive deep into it. So I do know that vulnerability part. I mean, and you need somebody, if you're going to go into that kind of story, you need somebody like yourself who's willing to create that space and say, okay, I know this is real. I know it feels scary but it's really important. Your reader needs to connect to you. And I think you do a great job with that, but putting yourself in a position to do stand up and do something that makes yourself uncomfortable. You're reminding yourself what it's like to be in those early shoes. Right. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going back to something you just said earlier that I want to touch on, you were talking about how people say, Oh, Marsha, you're so strong, you know, and I had someone just recently say to me, um, you have it all, or you, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Suzanne. How do you do it all? And I just said, okay, we need to just talk about this right now. And I think it was like someone in the grocery store. I'm like, stop, let's talk. I don't do it all at all. I, I'm a single mom. I'm like, half the time I'm freaking out. I feel like I—I I, I mean, I, I work a lot. I love my work and I love my you business. Too. I and know you work thing. a lot. That, but I do tell my kids know that my kid, I never apologize to my kids for working. I know that sounds kind of weird, but what I mean yeah. is. I I think it's important for my kids to uh, for all kids to understand that women can work and love their work. <laughs> mm. That's really important to me because um, it seems like a lot of moms apologize for working, which is total BS if you ask me. Well, so, um, but I say to I say to people, okay, so I don't have it all. I have somebody that cuts my grass for me, which is awesome, mm-hmm. and I also have someone that comes in twice a month and cleans my floors she doesn't do the whole house but she cleans the floors which means the whole rest of the house is a complete shambles. because i i can't do it all i no. don't do it all and i say to people you can have it all but not all at the same time Yeah. but it's important for people because i i i don't want my sort of public persona to look like i've got it all together i mean the no. best place to cry is in the shower that's just a tip for everyone because then it doesn't wreck your makeup or anything like that you just have a little <laughs> cry I got that tip from Angelina Jolie. She's like, "Oh, I cry in the shower. The kids don't hear me, and it doesn't wreck your makeup." I'm like, "That's all good. All (laughs) good." I know, but for the most part, I feel like I'm doing okay. I got it. I'm, you know, I I'm at a point now where I have two assistants in my business. Thank God. But it took me nine years to get here. Right. I think this is again right.
0: Like where you've grown to and what you've done. You have two assistants now because you've worked hard to get to that point you don't need to a you shouldn't apologize for it and b i love that you're real about it because people again they we have this thing where we look at what someone else is doing and we think like i'm never gonna be able to do it like that well you're not even looking at how she's doing it like yeah (laughs) i know i know you don't know if she's crying in the shower (laughs) she's crying in the shower right you don't even know Um, i don't know if you follow um rachel hollis at all i love rachel i love her book i love her yeah yeah but she, um, she, a couple of her most recent posts were the fact that, you know, um, you can be a mom and run like a million dollar business. You can be a mom and do this. You can be a mom and do this. It's mm-hmm. not all perfect. It's not pretty. And she's at a point in her career where she's got help to do it now. But she goes, it was like for years it didn't look like that.
1: Oh God, yeah.
0: And I think that's the misconception, right? And as, as far as women, we can, I mean... We might not want to do that intentionally, but boy, can we get stuck in comparison? Boy, can we get stuck in comparison and compare our life to someone else's or like our chapter one to someone else's chapter 10 and where they're at. And you
1: never know what's going on in their life, in anybody's life, ever, ever, ever. No, no. to take things personally or not to make make assumptions, the four agreements, right? Oh, The Four Agreements is such a simple and powerful, powerful book. I love book. that. I've got that, I've got a, a little poster of The Four Agreements yeah. in my kitchen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and my kid's bathroom. Yeah. Um, and that's, I know, like my best friend read that book and she, it, it totally changed her life. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I was already pretty much living The Four Agreements, especially because I don't take things personally and I don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And I always think like if anybody... Whenever anything happens with another person, whether it's you know out on the street or in business or whatever, I, I just stop and think, Um, I wonder if there's something going on with them, but I don't know. Yeah. Of course, there is, right?
0: There always is, but I think that that's a perspective shift that, that you've trained yourself that you're able to do, and you want to look at it and go. I mean, when I see a person go off, I've seen clients people do that, and they go literally often. My first think is the old me used to be like, wow, that's like, what did I, what did I do? And you get mad. And then now it's, you look at it and go, there must be something going on. Like there's gotta be, it's not about us,
1: right? It's totally. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this pattern that I've seen for years and years and years. Um, when people are just about to publish the book and they say, wait, 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 wait. I was just thinking about that thought or they, sometimes I've had someone, I've had someone crying and freaking out about Garamond versus Perpetua fonts and i was i kind of started like oh i need to ch- i need to change the whole entire book oh what am i going to do and this, but then i see it with col- the color of something and then i and then i realized oh it's fear it's it's fear. just fear And it, and it comes out in all these different ways and it always comes back to fear. So I had to just coach them through that fear. Mm -hmm. And and I never thought like being a book publisher would really be a coach, (laughs) you know, but. Oh,
0: 100%. 100%. I could see that you have. I mean, I think that most of the perfectionist type, um, personality traits, especially if it comes to like writing a book putting it together, having it be, so wanting it to be a certain way and wanting it to look a certain way, that is, a lot of that's perfectionism, but a lot of that comes from fear, right? Yeah. Little, oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so who are your, who are your favorite kind of things to take on, like as far as books? Like what's some of your, like you just kind of love taking on and working with?
1: Oh I my gosh, that's a, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have worked with everyone from, chiropractors, realtors, naturopaths. I do a lot of um well, I haven't lately in the health space, but lots of life coaches and business coaches and um internet marketers. I mean, you name it. I haven't worked with a funeral director um yet. I worked with dog trainers, a shaman, like oh wow, the- I didn't know it was that 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 broad. That's oh, awesome. I'm just I I you fitness people, yoga people, um it's unbelievable. I should have a list somewhere, but um who are my favorites? I don't have favorites. I just, um, I just want to be able to, um, oh, here's, here's what I can say about that. People who understand that the book is just a tool and mm-hmm. that it's one, like everybody in business has to have a website. They have to have business cards. They have to have a book. Sometimes they have a banner for trade shows. They have, um, whatever, like, mm-hmm. um, merch like pens with their company name or whatever they have right it's just a piece and so when people can understand that and say okay I've got my book now I'm thinking about doing an online course I'm thinking about launching a program thinking about putting on a workshop thinking about speaking and it can lead into all of those other things and I love it when someone sees it like that yeah uh, because when someone comes to me and like people can On my website, and they can book a strategy call. We get on a call, and one of the first things I ask them is, What do you want your book to do for you? And if they say, I want to sell a million books, and I want to be a household name, and I want to be on Oprah, I I just think that's not the right client for me because it's not realistic. And Mm -hmm. if I would say, Don't try to sell the book, try to sell you, use the book to sell you because when people get to know who you are and they hear you on a podcast or they see you speaking. Or they see you on your Facebook page or group or whatever it is, then they buy into you, and then they might buy your book, and then might buy your stuff, and you're right. right we'll go well, further? No, and I think that that's wonderful because I
0: think that there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There was probably a time and space. Oh, I, I had a few people say after I mine was published. Well, did you make a lot of money? And I'm like, you don't write the book for money. That's not. Really <laughs> like, I know. You don't write it for money. what yeah. You mean you don't write it for money? I'm like, it's a tool, and it's a yeah. tool that has been has definitely paid for itself over and over for me as far as just credibility and things. But for some people, there was a time and place where you made money from the books, right? Like it was, that was the purpose, I guess, of writing it, but that's not how I see it. Yes.
1: That. And it's so old fashioned because people yes. don't know that there's another way. There is no. another way. Like the, um, I think it was Michael Masterson. I got to look at who said this, but someone asked him like, how much money did you make from your book sales? Mm-hmm. From your book. He, he said something like I made, $4,000 from my book and then another half a million from everything else, you know? Oh, I love that. When you, okay, so this is how I explain it to people. What's your average customer value? So for a realtor, it might be five dollars or $10,000. For a coach, it could be $1,500. Or right. for a naturopath or a chiropractor, um, you, let's say hypothetically that your average customer value is $1,000. Then, if you used your book to get a hundred new clients and made made a hundred thousand dollars, wouldn't that be easier than trying to sell books and making two bucks or three bucks or four bucks? It's a great every, analogy. You could spend forty hours a week trying to sell books, yeah. Where, whereas it would be better for you as a business person to use three hours a week and get yourself on some podcasts or get speaking or use your book however you want. Maybe um, put together a little sales funnel where somebody can order your book and then the next page they go to is a little mini course where they get to, or a video from you or something like that they get yeah. to know you better, depending on your industry, right? Like realtors yeah. that I work with, I train them to go to a listing presentation and at the very end of it, just nonchalantly say, oh, by the way, I know you're super busy and you probably don't have a lot of time to read, but I wanted to just leave a copy of my book with you. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Smith almost fall out of their chairs. <laughs> They're just like, "Whoa, oh, oh, whoa! You wrote a book!" And they get the <laughs> listing every time. It's wow, impressive,
0: right? Yeah, the credibility piece. I think that credibility piece is huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and it's funny because I was going to say, I'll do it on camera now because we're here. Um, to this day, since I published, just it will be eighteen. It'll be two years in November every month I have received Kindle payments from Japan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that month.
0: So that's like, yeah. Like what, like what's that? Like, how does that get out? Like you just kind of go Japan, Japan, for some reason, every month is buying Kindle books of mine. I don't know what that is, but you, your reach is huge. And we've seen that with the collaborative book coming up in, in that how my message connected with a girl from, Um, Africa, and we've just had the the most beautiful connection because the podcast, the book connected with her. We don't have the same story, but she can relate to a lot of the emotions, pain, and feelings that I went through. And I think that's the thing about books that can be beautiful is it can connect us in a way, right? Is that we can understand a person's journey
1: in a different way than just hearing them speak only. Oh, absolutely. The the some of the I've done um, these anthology books called Shine, which is inspirational stories oh, of anyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> <love it>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've had so many people that come to me and say, Oh my gosh, I loved that book so much. I felt like I was just sitting down having a cup of tea with those ladies. I just loved it so much. And I Uh, Talk about the reach. What happens with anthology books, which I love. is My next question. So perfect. Go ahead. Okay. So everyone who's in it, let's say there's 15 people in an anthology book. Every time they give out a book, let's say Sally gives out a book. Hey, here's a book I was in. Then the person reads the book. They read about the other 14 women. And it's like a little soldier that's going around spreading this message like 15 times what a solo book would do. And not only that, but the reach. I mean, I've reached people literally all over the world um there was a a message in one of my groups um i'm not sure if it was shine one two or three but um they noticed on amazon or something the shine book is currently sold out in kuwait <laughs> and I'm like, what? um i didn't put it in kuwait but somehow i got to kuwait and it all sold out and i'm like oh let me put that on my list of things to do like at the very bottom um i have way too many other pressing things to do but um wow. that's amazing yeah. right when you when you really think about are there women in kuwait reading these stories of north american women um wow that's that's
0: almost it's a bit interesting to see what that ripple effect would be right to hear yes inspiring some of those stories would be i think that just keeps going back to your message that stories matter and how important stories are and what they how they need to be told and i mean i just i feel this constant we are so much more like the different and if we can start sharing those stories we can start to connect and relate with each other and realize that like we're not alone we're not alone we think that we are but we're not alone right so it's a very it's an interesting um it's an interesting perspective and being able to look at it and go yeah just to say we're just not alone and that's really a big part of it Um, so Tell us now what I heard you mention Experts Academy? Expert Authors Academy. And what do you I
1: know it's yeah, just great, so Yeah, sorry, the volume the sound is cutting in and out a little bit. Can you yes. still hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. So expert authors, something's just cutting in and out right now. Sorry about that. Oops, I can... Okay, good. Oh that's okay. Hmm. Okay. Are we hmm? Okay, so you're asking me about Expert Author Academy? Yeah, to so tell me a little bit about what Expert Author Academy is. Okay, perfect. So um it's Basically, my course where I teach people, we go from them not even having an idea, but knowing that they want a book, which is how I love to get my hands on people. The very, very, very beginning. And then I teach them all about the foundation of writing a book before they even start writing. There's a lot of work that needs to be done because I teach about uh, why do you want to write a book? Who are you writing it for? The biggest tip I can give people is your book's not about you so if you think about your reader and what you want to share with the reader um, how you can help them through your story yeah. um, it will make a way better book because quite honestly people are so busy right now they don't want to sit down and read a book that's entirely about somebody else unless you're a household name they want to know what's in it for me it's sad but true it's the way it is but that's so we, pretty much a standard thing right now like right what's in it for me so I, I mean I think that like, yeah. it is, we all are because we're busy so I think that that's a great point Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so funny when when people it's, i don't know i shouldn't say it's funny but i still see people saying like oh i want to write a book about my life i'm like i'm 25 years old i've had this amazing life but you wouldn't believe what happened to me and it's like okay <laughs> uh what's in it for your reader because i don't think it's gonna like I uh, anyway yeah. um so I work on all that with them. And so I say, it's kind of like building a house. So before we even start framing, we need to gather all the materials. So we need to look at what are some of the inspirational stories of like, if you are in a type of business where you have clients, you know, mm. what are some of the, what is a transformation that occurs for your clients as a result of working with you? Because those stories can go in the book and then it's not like, oh, my client, John, um, whatever he did he got married or something you know it's more yeah. like you know i helped him overcome these these limiting beliefs and this is what we did and this is what happened and so we all, i also explain how you need to include credibility and vulnerability in your book because um if you have too much credibility it kind of looks like you're bragging But if you, but if you have too much vulnerability, it kind of can look a bit weak. So it has to have a balance of both because you want to come across like the leader and the authority, but you also want to be. Um, someone real, you know, that right. people can resonate with you and go, oh, okay, so she's not perfect. Oh my gosh, her house is a mess too. Great, so it's mine. you know. Or, or, or she, she yeah. forgot to pick up her kid. That happened to me a little a few weeks ago. <laughs> I was at a meeting and it was all women and, and, and I had my phone, it was at nighttime and all of a sudden my phone rang and it was, I had the ringer turned off. I mean, I'm a bit of a professional, but I could see that it was my son's name and I said to everybody, I'm so sorry, my son's calling and I don't know why. And they're like, oh, wait, okay." So so I pick up the phone and I'm like hi um did I forget you okay I don't actually know where you are oh okay uh I'm in a meeting <laughs> <laughs> everybody laughs so are. hard because oh, so they can awesome. relate though but you
0: see what you just did like they yeah. can relate they're like yeah been there done that already done that he's fine yeah
1: all done totally yeah. forgot my kid yeah and I was like just walk over here I'm oh, I'm I'm just down the road but um Anyway, so getting back to the, the how I teach people how to write books, I, I teach people very differently than everybody else out there because most yeah. people say just write whatever comes to mind. I'm like absolutely terrible idea. Do not do that. It's going to be a disaster and it's going to take you 17 years to write a book. I can help you write a book in literally 30 days. I have a couple different methods, but one of them super quick, um, and then another. Usually it's about six months though. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. You have to have all these things in place. Then you write your outline. And once you, I can't tell you how many people in my program, they write their outline my way and they do what I told them to do. And then they're like, oh my gosh, this book is just flowing out of me. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. And I love to hear that because I'm like, right? Mm-hmm. It is easy to write a book if you do what I tell you to do. Well, <laughs> I think to
0: that, that's great. Point. I think that that's great because one of the things that I've had in my calls with women is they're like, "Oh my God, I, do, I just have never written before. Like, I want to write and I want to share a story, but I'm not an author, so I can't write." And I'm like, "No, no, yes. that's not, that's, it's not how it works, right? If a person yes. learn to connect to." their message, create that outline, follow that. And at the whole time, I still remember back then you saying, like, it's your reader in mind. It is your story, but what are they going to get from it? What are they, how are they going to see themselves in it? How are they going to, and that's just that perspective was huge for me to look at it.
1: Yeah. And even if you are telling your story, then at least you could say, like, imagine the, I always talk about the letter V when I'm talking about telling your story. So if, imagine if you're drawing a letter V with a pencil. So at the very top of the letter V, and this is something I used to teach it a different way. But then I heard Lisa Nichols, who I love and adore, oh, from The Secret. Lisa, yeah. she's awesome. I've met her a few times in person, and she. Mm-hmm. So I use her method now. So I got to give her credit. But so she talks about the top of the letter V talk about how great everything is in your life right now. And then you say, it wasn't always that way. You go down to the bottom of the letter V. Here's what I went through. You tell about the difficulties of your story. And then you go up the other side of the letter V and you're basically lifting and reaching down and and lifting others, like lift as you climb. You know, here's what I did. And this might be helpful for you too. And then you can name like five or 10 things that so the reader's like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to try that. And it gives them hope, you know? It's And I, I actually, I heard her
0: speak probably five years ago, four or five years ago before I wrote my book. And one of the things she mentioned, just funny you said that it sparked my memory, is that a lot of authors will take people down to the bottom of the V and then they like literally drop them there.
1: Leave them there. Leave them I
0: know. There. And you know, if you ever finish that book and you're like, oh my gosh, that feels awful. Like I feel awful. I don't even know. Or a movie, right? Like it takes you there, but then there's nothing to pull you back out. So you take them on the ride. You take your readers on the ride with
1: you, which means if you're going to drop them in that low place, you've got to show them how to get back out again. And if you're going to be a leader, you don't right. want them to leave them feeling sorry for you. No, and no, that's might that's, no. You see, that's them. such a great thing to
0: say. That's such a great thing to say. And I think if a person is, um, and I've spoke to people in this space and there's zero judgment. I'm just saying in the sense that like, I've had people who are in a very angry blame um, state still about their story. I was there. I get it. Um, and Lisa said, like, if you are in that state that you could not share your story with the people who upset you the most or hurt you the most in the room with you, you're not ready to share it. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: loved that analogy, like being able to respectfully share a story as if those people were in the room because you're sharing it from your perspective. I learned a lot from her. I thought I I really did. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so tell us some of the things I know, um, you've got a lot of things on the go, you got a lot of business things on the go, You have personal life on the go. What are some of the things that you do for yourself on a daily basis that help you stay grounded and not, um, and in a calm state, like in a good state to handle all these moving parts? What do you do? What are some of your tools?
1: Okay, um, as soon as you were asking me that, the first thing I thought about was hugging my kids. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, my kids absolutely come first. My, right now, my kids, I have a 12-year-old boy, 15-year-old girl, and an almost 18-year-old girl, young woman, really. And my oldest is in China right this now. She's still in China? Yeah, yeah, she's still there. I'm like, i basically holding my breath until August 13th, and then I can yeah. breathe again wow. until she gets home. Wow. Um, but, um, so I do, I do a gratitude, just, I don't even write it down. I know you're supposed to, but I don't, truth yeah, is I don't have too. time. So I do a gratitude list every day mm-hmm. and, um, and, I, and, and I hug my kids every day. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you're asking me what I do to stay grounded. So mm-hmm. in the summer, I'm really, I have this thing that happened to me about seven years in a row where I went, Oh, it's Labor Day weekend. What happened? And I didn't even like really participate in summer at all. So now what I try to do is like on Monday I had an hour and a half in between calls and meetings and I quickly went over to my friend's house who has a swimming pool Mm -hmm. and I Got into my bathing suit and I lay beside her pool and she wasn't even home. It was the funniest thing. Oh, it's <laughs> I'm like, so awesome. hi, can I use your pool? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm at work. So, I was, and then I just went back to work. Um, and then yesterday I quickly went out and played tennis in the middle of the day. There are things you can do that only take a half an hour that right. you're like, I just am so glad I just did that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then, and also I, I started dating. Oh, what the- <laughs> I, <you're>
0: talking to <laughs> somebody who's like been with the same person for I don't know twenty six years now. And
1: I know, and I know. Well, I was I was married, so, yeah, yeah. I was married for twenty one years, wow. and then um, single for two years, and I and then people it was so funny like people were like oh are you thinking about dating i'm like oh no i i have a really happy life i'm yeah. really really happy i have a business that i love i have kids that are great i have really dear dear friends i just feel so loved i feel so, so loved so all awesome. the time but then I met someone and so it's really fun to sort of just uh, like go out for dinner and go out on dates and go for a walk and stuff like that. so that's been really fun too and that's that's, but but sorry the question was what keeps me grounded okay that's not the right answer (laughs) but that's like that's like stepping into new areas
0: that's stepping into like that's growth right like that's yeah 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 totally it was
1: very scary very scary yeah 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 yeah. I don't even notice. yeah and um I know. I know. It's really crazy. And, but the thing is good is because I learned from you reading your book about boundaries is like, I knew what I wanted and I knew what I would tolerate and what I would not tolerate. And so I have very, very high standards. I am a total catch. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I am. I got it going on. And, and so I thought to myself, I'm not going to date somebody and think, oh my gosh, I hope he likes me. It'll, it's more along the lines of, is this, am I going to, I'm going to spend time, my precious time that I have very little of, this person has to be high quality, yeah, an excellent person. Yeah. So, so you,
0: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. You, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to go into detail, but I'm just curious for people who are listening and and don't know or don't what did boundaries mean to you because i know what you went through kind of the aha moments when you
1: read it in my book
0: and yeah, go, I'm yeah, that. Yeah. but i'm just curious what did they mean to you what did that what did what did it mean for you and and how is that still part of your life now
1: Oh my gosh, it's changed my life so much, Martha. I heard the word boundaries, 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 blah, blah, blah. It was like such a catchphrase. It was like gluten-free. Like everybody's doing It was a that. catchphrase. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, And I didn't really know what it meant. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it just meant like don't let people push you around or something. But then what happened after I read your book was that I uh, – realized it was what I will allow, how I will allow someone to treat me or not allow someone to treat me. And it's very clearly defined. And what had, in my business, I'd always been such a pleaser. And so um, when someone would say, you know, we'd work for three months on their book. And, and, and by the way, I got to just quickly say, um, my expert author program really is my baby. And that's how people write books. But, and I, in that program, I teach people how to get it on Amazon themselves, but they kept asking me to do it for them. Right. And that's why I started publishing books. Cause I'm like, okay, I guess we'll do it for you. So it's kind of a funny way it happened. But so publishing books is, um, I, I kept, on doing everything they wanted me to do so if at the very 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 end after it had been approved by the author Mm -hmm. they came back to me and said can you change the fonts or something I think oh my gosh it's so much work I would cry and I would put a smile on my face and say sure we can do that and I wouldn't even charge any extra money or anything so resentful and upset and so uh, what you taught me was to be able to say no you've approved this book If you really want us to do that, it's gonna be fifteen hundred more dollars and another three weeks. Yeah. And then they go, Okay, and either they pay it or they go, Oh, I didn't realize it was that much work. I'm so sorry. Like, but I was never clearly saying anything. Mm -hmm. So I would just and then I but the thing is, it was totally my responsibility. This is, the, my responsibility. this is the thing that I absolutely love, and I'm so
0: glad you said that. People think that boundaries are like, why don't they get my boundaries? Why don't they get them? I'm like, well, A, have you stated them clearly, and B, yeah. follow through. Because yeah. if, you, if
1: you're not following through and you're not being clear about what you want, you can't be mad when no one else gets it. And it's such a victim to say like, oh my gosh, this one client, I just hate them. They keep pushing me around. I'm like, okay. They don't even know they're pushing you around because you're just saying yes to everything. Right. And it's yeah. when the more you say yes, like, and so every time you say yes
0: to something, then you, I mean, if you don't say like a hell yes, I'm, that's it. I'm great for that. If it's like a, okay, okay. all right, yes. yes. And the second you say it, it feels like dirt on your tongue and you are resentful and you're mm-hmm. angry, then you create that. Like yeah. we create that. I create that. And that's where I don't know how many times I'm like, Marjana, come on, you know better than this. Like this is yes. It doesn't do anyone any service. And I also, I always believe too, that everything is so precedent setting. So when you, if you do it once, be ready to do it again and again and again, because yeah. unless you're ready to break that pattern for the person to know what yeah. that is, right? And we were talking about it before we started recording, but boundaries are so important in our own life, in our business, in our personal life, in our, like they're in everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, I love that you said that because I also think that um the part about being resentful like if someone doesn't know your boundaries then that's your fault yeah. and responsibility but i also think when you're learning this might be good for your listeners when you're learning to do this whole boundary thing you can always go back and say to someone you know we were having that conversation the other day and like it takes me a couple days sometimes to get the courage to have what i call a courageous conversation so yeah. i can go back to a client and say I know I told you I would do this for you, but I've given it some thought and it's actually a ton of work for me and I'm gonna be up till midnight doing this and I'm just so tired and I don't, and then they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like they really don't know and you have to tell them. If you're always putting the smile
0: on and saying, yeah, it's good and I can do it. And then they don't have any reason to believe anything by what you're telling them, like other than yeah. what you're telling them. So if you're telling them, it's easy. So, I mean, if you're managing the business that you're managing and your kids and life in general, you have to have some sort of boundaries in there. So yeah. it's, they're absolutely critical.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially with, even with kids, like my kids, my my friends think it's so funny, but if my kids need a ride to work, to or from work they have to look at my calendar and see if I'm available. Like if I am on this podcast with you for an hour, obviously I can't stop in the middle of it and go drive them somewhere. They know what their work schedule is a week or two in advance. So right. then ride your bike or find someone else to drive you. Right. But, but yeah, you know, they're, and even my office, like they have to knock quietly on my door and if I don't answer, it's not because I don't feel like it. It's because I literally cannot answer right now. Right. And
0: it's good for them to learn that because those are good. Like you want them to have boundaries growing up too, right? You want your kids to have boundaries, yes. and especially, and I going to say girls and boys, but you really want them to yeah. have boundaries that they feel comfortable to follow through on.
1: Well, a lot of times we teach girls to be pleasers, right? Oh. And, and it's very, very important that they, that they just are able to stand up for themselves and what they uh. want
0: I cannot agree with you more. I honestly can agree with you more. Oh, I could seriously talk to you forever. I really could. Um, (laughs) I I really could. I want to, so, I mean, probably maybe I actually prompted one of that question there yourself. But if you you could go back in time and give a lesson to your, or no, a message to your younger self, what would you tell her? You could pick any time. Gosh, a Mm. message. It's some kind of message that, you go, Oh, I get it now. Or I wish I knew this then, or just maybe something that might resonate.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about how I wish I had known the economy was going to crash. <laughs> I know. I know. No, um, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, right at around the time that the economy crashed, I had an employee that was working for me. And if business wasn't bad enough already, he left my company and took all of our top clients with him. And I was so betrayed because I truly loved this man. And I had helped him in many, many ways in his personal life. And like go above and beyond, above and beyond. I won't even get into it now, but I was so hurt. And I wish now, like what happened was I held on to that resentment and that betrayal like a bitter pill that was, the taste was in my mouth. For yes. literally about three years, and wow. it really was hard for me to get my business back up to a success because I was so angry and I was so mad, and I I was looking, I couldn't see doors opening in front of me because I kept looking at the one behind me that had exactly. that had closed. Right? Yeah. I just was, uh, I was so wrapped up in it. And then one day I heard I was at a conference and I heard Sandra Yancey, who is the owner of the eWomen Network, she said, and I've probably heard this before, but this is the one finally stuck. And she said, reels right. don't happen to you, they happen for you. And I went, <gasps> and right now I just have full body shivers because I realized yeah. I never would be where I am now with Prominence Publishing if it wasn't for that guy doing that to me because I literally closed my business and started with the books. Right. And uh, so I wish that... I could have moved on faster. I'd done a little bit more of the personal development work that I had to do. Yeah. And I wish it hadn't taken three years.
0: <laughs> and you know what? And I know the funny thing is, is that we all know that that's all part of our story. And sometimes we have to go through that in order to learn it. But it's usually yeah. just an awareness of what was the message that if you could go back and tell your younger, your younger self. And it's just, mine was my answer and the reason I asked this question was that my answer was that you know the answer. Like, you know, the answer, Stop oh. Stop. you know, the answer. And many times my when best. we're in crisis moments, I would go, Marsha, you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Cause you already have what you need to handle this. You have the answer.
1: I love that. That just gave me shivers. Yeah, it
0: used to be. And I still do that to this day, but I'm talking when it was a real crisis time in my life was a case of like, I don't have the answers. Who do I find? What do I do? What do I do? And it was like, no, you're here for a reason. You have the answers. You need to take that perspective that calm perspective into it yeah yeah um where can people oh, connect and reach out and talk to you connect with you and follow you well they, they can
1: connect with me on facebook um suzanne doyle ingram i'm the only one so they can either send me a friend request or follow me on my my business page which is suzanne doyle ingram biz but if they want to talk to me about a book they can go to my website and under the contact page they can book a strategy call with me and i give a free 30 minute strategy calls they have to apply fill fill out a few questions and uh if it looks like it might be a good fit then i will prove it and we can get on my calendar and um, it's usually full of a couple of weeks in advance. So please yeah. don't email me and say your calendar doesn't work. Or
0: send your Facebook message. <laughs> just look more ahead. Hey, hey Suzanne, can I get, yeah. <laughs> we talk about the Facebook <laughs> messenger land, which is a black hole of like messages that I just don't have yeah, to all the time.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, that's awesome. I know. Thank I you. know. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One more question I'm going to ask you is what lesson in life are you the most grateful for?
1: Hmm. You really should give me these ahead of time. No way. Put me on the spot. Um, I think it's probably that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's hard to remember that when you're in the middle of the shit. Yeah, you're allowed to swear a bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do think that... um, I, when I'm in the middle of something, I have to remind myself at times like these, remember that there's always been times like these. And as I get older, I'm 51 now, mm-hmm. I'm way more relaxed because I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I've been in this situation before. <laughs> but um, I think it's it's good to to be able to just have that perspective, you know? Yeah,
0: I love that because I think that's the thing is, is that,
1: you know, it's... It,
0: I understand tough times. I understand being in those times. It doesn't last forever. Just like when things are going flow and smooth and easy and everything seems like, oh my gosh, is this for real? It's all happening. It's like, that doesn't happen forever either, right? It's ebb and flow. We have life that, I like to call them growing days. So sometimes when things, it feels like, well, there's a lot of things that are happening at once that just do not seem to be going very smoothly. I'm like, this is obviously a growing period of life right now. That's what I try. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. can't drop into, right? Victim and like, I can't believe this is happening to
1: me mode because that's just not productive at all. Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with that. And there's different seasons in your life too. Yeah, right now I'm in a really good one. (laughs) Take
0: it, take it. You've learned it. It's all good. It's it's all good. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the call today and um, for being such a big part in my life and what you have done to help me to get my story out to the world and what you're going to be doing with the authors that we're working with. So I just honestly, I'm just super super grateful for you that you stepped into what you're doing because it makes a difference. So I thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I love working with you. I'm. So excited for this new anthology book. It's going to be awesome. It's
0: going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So thank you so much. And um, I know that there's definitely value here for a lot of people who are listening going like, oh, you know what? Sometimes when those doors close and things really feel like they're going wrong and all of a sudden you stepped into a gift that you had that you didn't realize was a gift. And then it went from there and you listened to the nudges and it went from there and it went from there and it went from there. And all of a sudden you're looking at this business that you built. And yes, it's been nine years, almost 10, right? That you built and yeah, you
1: yeah, yeah,
0: time, yeah. But it's very doable to create massive change in your life. So you've done that. Absolutely done that. So thank you so much. today. Thank you. Here today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you everyone, everyone for tuning in for this episode of own your choices Own your life. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time. Remember, when you own your choices, you
1: truly own your life.